I'm just feeling like a loser today. I feel like I have no confidence and, and I just, I, I don't look good. Like I look old and, and I feel fat and, and I just keep eating and drinking <laughs> and saying that I'm going to be disciplined and then not like following up. Like I had a bagel for breakfast and that way bagel wasn't even good and I don't know why I ate it. And I just have to get my health on track. And I just, um, I should have gotten my MBA because if I got my MBA, I, my career would be further along and I just, I need to be more strategic and I need to be more prepared. And here I am again and I procrastinated. I procrastinated and why does everything take me so long? I don't understand why everything takes me so long. Like I've been writing this email for 45 minutes and it should have taken 10 minutes and it should have taken 10 minutes. And like, why does it have to be perfect? That's why people are getting ahead of me. From ABC, it's No Limits. I'm Rebecca Jarvis, and each week we're talking to the most bold and influential women playing at the top of their game, trying to demystify success and what it really takes to get there, and all the trade-offs. Whether you're looking for answers or you just want to hear a good story, you're in the right place. So if that opening monologue sounded familiar... Get ready, because in this episode of the No Limits podcast, I'm talking to two women whose business is teaching executives at top companies like Facebook, Google, and Unilever how to manage that negative voice. And by the way, these are top executives who have that voice in their head, so you are not alone. Lisa McCarthy and Wendy Leshgold are best friends who met at camp, left their corporate jobs, many years later, to start Fast Forward Group. They've trained thousands of leaders, and today they're taking us through the inner critic exercise to manage that nagging voice in your head. They are also taking us through the Fast Forward Vision exercise, where you declare a bold vision for your future. Lisa McCarthy and Wendy Leshgold, welcome to No Limits. Thank you. you. It's great to be here. I'm so excited that you're here. I have been wanting to have this conversation since Carolyn Everson of Facebook mentioned you when she was here talking to No Limits. And she talked about how you guys helped her shut down Penelope. Yes. The voice in her head. I think we all have these inner voices, particularly women. My coach, um, her name is Lisa McCarthy, has been working with me for a lot of a lot of years on my inner voice, and I've nicknamed her Penelope. And I, <laughs> and and she has things to say, and some and the the you're never going to get completely rid of it. At least I don't know if you totally can, but I know when it's there. And now there's a difference between me knowing it's you know the inner voice Penelope in my head versus something else that's going on. And once you know it's there, you can do better at actually dealing with it. Yes. But what I thought was really interesting is a lot of times guests will say somebody's name once in an interview and say they were influential. I'm pretty sure she mentioned Lisa three or four times in the Mm. conversation, which made me think, okay, this is a name I want to know. (laughs) You are highly successful at what you do in helping people make better career decisions, become happier in life, which is something I think everyone listening would be interested in. And yet that wasn't the path that either one of you started out on. Yes, yes. It's been a a journey. And uh, thank you so much for having us. Ever since I met you, I've become a No Limits groupie. So now we get to (laughs) do our own. Uh, So Wendy and I, uh, the story begins many decades ago. We actually met in sleepaway camp when we were 10 years old. (laughs) 
<laughs> and um, we became besties, and we spent many summers together. I came in on the bus from New Jersey to hang out with her, and then through <laughs> the decades, we remained close. We uh, grew our careers, and uh, Wendy moved out to the West Coast, and she was a advertising executive leading large account teams, and then my career, I was working in big media companies leading sales and marketing teams. And, and at the same time, we both got married to great men uh, named Gary and Sean, and we both had three children. And and believe it or not, they're all the same ages, and they're all really? close friends. Makes yes. for good family vacations. Exactly. Did Do you think that the timing of that had anything to do with the fact that the other one was on a similar time? A hundred percent. A hundred percent. Yes. I mean, you know, one of our power principles in Fast Forward is actually plan the work and work the plan. So, uh, you know, this, this <laughs> so you did require the plan of three kids and a husband. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Wendy did. Uh, yeah, she got married first. But then I had your calendars up. both had dates on them. Like we'll have third child by this date. <laughs> exactly. And my husband would always say, don't make this a plan. And I'd say, uh, you know. I got it, but then I did. And uh, <laughs> so um, at any rate, we, uh, you know, really for decades got to experience firsthand what it takes to lead a successful career, also be a good mother, a good friend, a good daughter, a good sister, and 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 the discipline it takes and how hard it is. And, and we could see that even though technology was helping society and, and business in so many ways, it was also, you know, can be detrimental because people feel this need to always be on and reactive. And so, you know, here we were in corporate America, the pressure, the pace, trying to be successful professionally and personally. And we thought, you know, we always had a dream to start a business. Like we we started young thinking, let's someday go into business together and, and help people. And then the someday became today. We said, let's go help people thrive, not only professionally, but also personally. And were you clear on what kind of business beyond wanting to help people, what kind of business it was going to look like? We weren't clear exactly what it was going to look like. But we were excited. We were excited and we were also extremely uncomfortable because we had safe career paths. We knew what they were. And this was a risk. It was a risk because we had never, never done anything like it before. But you we, were both executives yeah, at this point. Yeah. Well, I actually had started my own executive coaching practice after spending, you know, over a decade in the advertising world. I had my own executive coaching practice. And at this point in time, when Lisa and I got together and said, we want to start a company, I was very comfortable doing that. I had a lot of clients. I knew what I was doing. And yet we saw something else that could be possible. And so with excitement and fear, we said, let's do this. And we did what we tell all of our clients to do, which is we said, let's write a vision for what it could look like. So we asked ourselves the question, Two years from today, what would extraordinary success look like? And we answered that question with a lot of specifics, even though we had zero idea how we were going to do it. We said, what would our clients look like? What would our revenue be? What will the culture be? What will our team look like? And we also answered questions like, what would our life look like as entrepreneurs with husbands and three children? How do we want our health to be? We answered all of these questions and got really, really inspired by the dream. And then we had to go and figure out how to do it because we had no clue. Yes, that was the the harder part. And we said, okay, what do we need to do in the next 90 days? And and we first of all, we had to like, say, who are we going to be? 
right? So right. we want to be what we want to be known for is a training and coaching company that helps people thrive professionally and personally. Like it is possible if you're organized and disciplined to produce amazing results in the workplace and, you know, with your health and your finances and other areas of of life that are important. So the first thing we did was we wrote the high performance living regimen. And we actually have a product. And and when you practice this regimen, just like any other regimen, you continuously improve and you accomplish more of what's important to you and, and you have more happiness and you have more peace. So we developed our product and then we had to go pitch the product. And and ironically, we brought it to Carolyn at Facebook and she said, uh, this like is such a need. There are people, you know, burning out and and we I don't want that. I want people to be able to produce amazing business results, but also fuel their life and and stay here long term and develop a career through their various life stages. And so we piloted the program in Germany and the United States and Canada. Yeah, that the first place they sent us was Hamburg, Germany, of all places. And Lisa and I were first we were really excited. And then, <laughs> then you learn German. No, <laughs> and then we thought to ourselves, well, I wonder how this is going to go. Because when we wrote it, we Culture. didn't think to ourselves, okay, our first audience is going to be um, people from Germany and mostly men. That was we we found out that the audience was going to be mostly men. So we were extremely nervous. We <laughs> that's you know, an understatement. <laughs> yes. We were on the verge of vomiting probably the night before. Yes, um, but we, but we we refocused our energy and we tell our we tell people that do our program to do the same thing. We said, you know what, this is not about people liking us. It doesn't matter if they don't like us. The, the key here is that we have something that can really help people. So the feedback was phenomenal. And um, people said, this is life changing. And then like any other business, we just kept improving. We kept, you know, delivering the programs, coaching people and improving. And then the word spread. And and so now it's year six. And, and we've had over 10,000 people do the program. Wow. And, and we're coaching many, many executives around the world across industries. And um, we're just getting started. Let's talk about that vision statement that you initially wrote. How close to the vision statement was reality two years later? Pretty close. It's a good question. We exceeded it. Yeah. We exceeded it. I mean, I, ironically, now it, it's it's interesting because it's an annual exercise. Every fourth quarter, you know, we're not goal setting. We're actually declaring a bold vision, standing 12 months out and defining what extraordinary success looks like. And, and you know, we like to practice our own regimen and it's always uncomfortable and we're always committing to things that are unpredictable, knowing that we could fail. And, and one year we didn't hit our, our revenue goals, but I know and and that this is the same thing with all of our clients, that that outcome had us play at another level like we went so much further than we would have gone even though we didn't hit the specific outcome that we wrote down and and so we're doing that annually and it's not about a hundred percent like we always tell all the perfectionists in our program this is not about uh you know being able to teacher i did good Yeah. yeah i mean here's the thing you have to recognize that that Taking, declaring a bold vision, having the courage to write it down on paper, which is hard. It is. Yeah. Like we ask everyone in our program to share it out loud with at least one other person. And you can imagine in a workplace when people are sharing visions with each other 
and and playing big and being bold and talking about their whole life, it literally in 10 minutes, they get deeply connected. Mm-hmm. We, there's a connection and there's also accountability. For exactly. sure. For sure. And the other thing that happens is that people get very laser focused on mm. where they want to spend their time. Yes. Because today's workplace, one of the things that we find is people are in a swirl. They're answering emails, yep. they're running from meeting to meeting, and then all of a sudden it's Friday. And they look <laughs> back and say, I did nothing. That was really, really important. Yep. I put out fires all week. So having a vision gives you, we call it a North Star, mm-hmm. because it gives you this way of tracking back to, you know, is my time and energy really lining up with what matters to me? Which I, I see the value in it. I haven't tried it yet, but ever I spoke when I, spoke maybe to now Carolyn, you will. I know, I know I need to, I will hold myself accountable. No limits. I'm going to follow up with you, Lisa. Thank you. Um, that's not always easy. No. I was talking to not to Carolyn, but another female executive who was telling me that she tried to do it. Mm. And she never was able to come up with her vision statement. Well, that usually is indicative to me of fear, because a lot of times what has people not want to write their vision or not be able to or just feel somewhat blocked is that everything that they first can think of that they would maybe want to put in their vision. The next thought after that is I'll never be able to do that. Mm. That's never going to happen. And then they get stuck. There's probably a fear in some cases that the vision is either too big or even too small. Yes. Mm. Yes. Yes. That we've seen both. We've seen both. For some people, we, we tell people that, that the feeling you should have when you read it is that you feel inspired, you feel clear. Um, and uncomfortable. And, and you feel uncomfortable. Mm. And you feel uncomfortable in a good way, not like an anxious way. We're not out to have people, like people have enough anxiety. <laughs> you guys we actually give have to like, Xanax with yeah, every vision Exactly statement. right. We're, we're out to diminish anxiety. But, but being uncomfortable, uh, you know, for anyone, and, and this happened several times in my career where I chose comfort and I had my reasons and then I had to like give that up because the cost of comfort is is that you're not lit up and you're not challenged and you don't want to get out of bed in the morning. So when you start to say, okay, well, I'm choosing to be uncomfortable – versus anxious. So I'm going to, you know, and, and sometimes you have to talk that through with your colleagues. You know, Wendy and I will always talk every year, okay, what is uncomfortable, but possible, but possible. And then also, again, this holistic view, we're out to be enormously successful as a company, do the same with our client, have our clients be the same. But at what cost if it's if you're going to give up your health or give up your happiness, not worth it. Yeah, not worth it. We always say to people, and, and the clients are paying our bills, by the way, they're not not going to talk about this company at your funeral. You know, if you're right. the CEO, maybe, <laughs> right. maybe, but they're just not. So you want to play, you know, it's, it's, it's a privilege to play with smart, ambitious people and be part of a big game, whether it's ABC, Fast Forward, or, you know, one of our clients, but you have to draw, you know, lines. You Absolutely. have to draw lines. And, and what if we bring the same level of intention to our personal life that mm-hmm. we do our work. Like, mm-hmm. What would that allow for? That's why we're doing a vision so that people actually see that it's possible and then yeah. go to work on, okay, what do I need to stop doing? And what do I need to start doing to have that life be mine? For our listeners who are thinking of going out and trying to do this themselves, is there a right mindset to be in? So I think that one of the things to you have to do is resist the urge to be limited by the things that have or haven't happened to you in the past. 
the biggest thing that gets in the way for people when they write a vision is things that, that they've tried in the past, they failed and they've said, I'm never doing that again. Or things they've thought, I've never done that in the past. Why would I start doing that now? I have no idea how to do that. Those are big pitfalls because they keep you playing smaller. And oftentimes we make decisions about ourselves based on things that have happened to us in the past and they're very limiting. So I'll give you an example. We go to high school, we get an F on a geometry test and we say to ourselves, I am horrible at math and I'm not analytical. We get rejected maybe more than once and we say, I just, I don't have talent. I don't have talent in this area. And then it affects us or we get you know, we kind of crap out of a relationship and we say, I'm no good in relationships. Mm. I'm not good with commitment and I'm not lovable. And then it keeps us playing very small in the future. And and that's why I think saying to yourself, what are some of my limiting beliefs and what um, would be possible if I gave them up? Mm. That really gets you in a great mindset to write. Your I think that's so useful. Yeah. Yeah. I really like that. All right. So in addition to the vision statements, yes. one of your exercises, and you outlined this, Lisa, at the Makers Conference, is how to quiet. Is it quieting the we voice say, in your head? We say you can say quiet or you could say managing. Managing. Her. Okay, managing her. <laughs> I like managing because I don't think I'm ever going to quiet yeah. or silence it all together. Yeah. Yes. So I want to go through this exercise with you, and this is the first here on No Limits that we're ever going to do. I want to invite... The women in the control booth. Somebody has to make sure we're being recorded properly. So, Michelle, you're going to hang out there. And listeners, this is a first here. So who knows what's going to ultimately happen in the end. But if you are listening and you want to play along and you want to manage that inner voice, which Carolyn Everson named Penelope. I don't know what the name of my inner (laughs) voice is just yet. Okay, so we've got Taylor and Annie here. So we've worked with a lot of people. As we said, 10,000 people have done this program, and I've worked with countless more in my past executive coaching life. And one of the things we've learned is that the biggest thing that gets in the way of success, and this is worse for women than it is for men, is they feel a lack of confidence. Almost every woman we work with says one of the things they'd like to get better at, they'd like to work on, is fueling their own confidence. And one of the things that gets in the way of that, that prevents people from feeling their own confidence is this thing called the inner critic. So that's why it's something that we want to work on. Yeah. And and one more thing I'll say on that is that we actually, because there was all this discussion around how do I elevate my confidence, we looked up the definition and we chose the definition that we like because there were many. And so the definition we use is an appreciation of your strengths, your qualities and your attributes. So what if we were to retrain our brain to focus on our strengths, our qualities, and our attributes versus our weaknesses, our insecurities, and the, you know, slide we missed or the thing we should have said in that meeting, which is, you know, often what happens. The littlest thing that didn't go right that you then fixate on and you assume others do as well. Exactly right. Right. Everyone's moving on with their life, but you're still thinking about it three hours later. That's right. Exactly right. (laughs) So, So you have to retrain. In your brain. If you actually look at brain science, uh, one of the neuroscientists, uh, Rick Hansen, says that that we're, we're Teflon for the positive 
and Velcro for the negatives. We just latch on to that, you know, one negative thing. And that could be something that we've been latching on to for many years or decades or something that happened, you know, in the 9 a.m. meeting. So um, at any rate, we want to look at and and this inner critic and then what there is to do about it. So what I'm going to do right now is I'm going to demonstrate the inner critic and then Love I'm going to ask you to look at your <laughs> own as our as our guinea pigs. Okay, so here we go. I'm going to videotape you and I'm going to post it onto my Instagram. Is that oh, all right? Great. Oh, ready, ready. Okay, I'm glad, I, I'm glad I put on makeup. Okay, okay. So I am so overwhelmed. I'm so I, I'm just feeling like a loser today. I feel like I have no confidence and and I just um I, I don't look good. Like I look old and and I feel fat and, and I just keep eating and drinking and <laughs> saying that I'm gonna be disciplined and then not like following up. Like I had a bagel for breakfast and that bagel wasn't even good and I don't know why I ate it. And I just have to get my health on track. And I just um I should have gotten my MBA because if I got my MBA, I my career would be further long and I just I need to be more strategic and I need to be more prepared and here I am again and I procrastinated I procrastinated and why does everything take me so long I don't understand why everything takes me so long. Like, I've been writing this email for 45 minutes, and it should have taken 10 minutes, and it should have taken 10 minutes. And, like, why does it have to be perfect? That's why people are getting ahead of me. Like, I – and, you know, she's so articulate, and and she's, like, good at merchandising herself, and she's doing community service. I mean, how is she doing community service? Like, I can barely get healthy food on the table, and then my laundry is a mountain, and I'm running home and, like, trying to be a good mother, and I'm just not a good mother. I'm just not a good mother, and I need to be more present with my kids and and pay attention to them, and I need to be nice to my husband, and I need to, like, call my friends. I'm just, like, I feel like I'm failing everywhere. Okay, that was... So dead on. <laughs> That's what it sounds like. We call that voice the roommate you would never choose, but she's always there. Yes. And it can be brutal. Men have it they too. They have it too. In our program, we give a full page of our workbook for people to actually write down their inner voice. And most like 98% of the people that have done the program have never done this before. So they're slightly mortified when they ask them, when we ask them to do what we're going to ask you to do in a moment. Um, and they are not, they're, they're all, they run the gamut. These are women ranging in age from 23 to 53. Some are really new in their career. Some are super successful at the top of their career. It doesn't matter. They all have it. Mm-hmm. And the yeah. men have it too. I do want to point yeah. out, I mean, all of our, yep. you know, 80% of our programs are co-ed. The men have it too, but I'm always observant and there's less script on the page. What really struck me about what you just did is usually when you think about careers or your life, you everything is sort of specific. So, oh, I would like to be the boss someday or I would like to do X. But what I think you really got right and what I hear in my own <laughs> voice in my head, it goes from one thing to the next. Yeah. And it's I always get frustrated by it because it's highly unproductive, I think. I'm just going around in circles. I'm not attacking any any of those things. Instead, it's just like, I should be more this. I should be more that. I'm too little this. I'm too much that. So let's, I want to do the exercise because you just blew my mind with yes, that. Yes. Wow, so so here's, okay. here's the exercise. So what you're going to do is you're going to take a couple of minutes 
and you're going to write down what your inner voice sounds like in your head, that critical voice and what it sounds like in your head, just the way she shared, Lisa shared hers. You're going to write down yours on a piece of paper. You're not going to edit anything out. It could be stream of consciousness. Write all of it. Allow yourself lots of <laughs> everything. Taylor you just will be sharing you, their inner selves with you, our you, listeners. The today. only yes, you must be honest. The only way out is through. Okay, yes. so you have to do this to benefit from the practices we're going to give you. Everybody ready? Yes. Okay, go. Okay. No limits, listeners. Um, if you're playing along, I hope you have a pen and paper nearby. <laughs> Stay with us. There's more No Limits after a quick word from our sponsor. Brought to you by Indeed. Used by over 3 million businesses for hiring. Where business owners and HR professionals can post job openings with screener questions. Then sort, review, and communicate with candidates from an online dashboard. Learn more at Indeed.com slash hire. There's a lot coming at you right now. Turmoil, tweets, an insane amount of chatter. I'm Brad Milkey with ABC News, and I'm here to throw you a lifeline. It's a new podcast called Start Here, where our experts give you on-the-ground access to the biggest stories of the day. We're going to give you some context, some clarity among the chaos. 20 minutes every weekday. Subscribe now on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts, and start here. You're running out of room. (laughs) (laughs) I filled an entire page. (laughs) Yeah, sometimes our our participants ask for more paper. (laughs) They get really into it. How many minutes have we gone for? About three. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. I'm I'm gonna stop here. I I could probably go on now that I'm tapped into what I'm yeah, thinking. Just mm. keeps, I could go on for much much longer. Yeah, there are so many areas that my yeah. thoughts yeah. will cover. Yes. Um, do either of you? Sh- are we supposed to read? Well, them? first let me ask <laughs> you this question. Let me ask you that. Let me first let me start you with a question. Yeah. So, and this any of you could answer this question. What was it like to write it down? Therapeutic. <laughs> okay. How so? Um, I've never really taken the time to actually just kind of think about all the things I do wrong um, and be really honest with myself about it. So I would say it was pretty therapeutic. Okay. Okay. What else? else? Um, I would say it was more nerve wracking than therapeutic. I feel like as I was writing, I was kind of getting nervous because I was like, is someone going to read this or look at this? Yeah. Am I reading this and looking at this? Yeah. Everything was spiraling a little bit. Mm-hmm. The yeah. more I was thinking about one thing, then it just kind of made me more stressed out. Yeah. And then I was like, this is a waste of time to be stressed out, but I care about this. But should I be caring about this? Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of all that. It's like a swirl. It's a swirl yeah. up in your head. And what about you? What Rebecca? about you? I can see how it spirals. And before you know it, you've spent who knows how much time yeah. thinking without any... Um, you know, because the the feeling that you come at the whole thing with is that you want to improve. Yeah. And you want to make better all of these things. But none of the things that you're doing are getting you any closer yeah. to that end. Yeah. Exactly. And, and actually, that's a really what you're raising is a really important point and a point that we often make with people that we work with, which is we all love to improve. People always are looking to get better. And oftentimes people say to themselves, this nasty, negative voice is the motivator to help me, like propelling me to get better in life and to achieve more and to be a better person. And yet we draw the distinction and we say, okay, there is continuous improvement, which is rational thought where we're thinking to ourselves, here's what's working, here's what needs to be improved, and here's what could get better. 
And that's a very rational voice. We call that above the line. And then there's the voice that's below the line, and it's nasty, critical, irrational, emotional, and not helpful. So there's a big difference. And unproductive. <laughs> like you said, it's not, it doesn't actually help you get any better. So that's an, it's an important distinction to make. But it is, it is, sometimes people find it therapeutic. Sometimes people find it nerve-wracking. Uh, sometimes people just find that it's, it's a lot of confusion up there. And oftentimes people tell us they find it sad. Just writing this voice is sad. Yeah. Some people actually in the program get quite emotional. Okay. So now we're going to do the next step, which is would you be generous enough, Rebecca, to read some or all sure. of it out loud? Yeah. I'll read mine because I have full editing control over this episode. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. So starts out with, I'm so lazy. Why would I not use this downtime to get through all of my emails? I bet... XYZ, I might have, I would share their names if it was actually me doing this. Mm -hmm. I bet XYZ friend colleague uses every second of her, his downtime to send emails. I bet he, she gets back to everyone. Ugh, I need to get back to XYZ, C person. They're all probably thinking, where's that email from Rebecca? Oh, speaking of that email from Rebecca, I need to send those thank you notes. What's wrong with me? Why can't I just write a nice thank you note? It would take me five seconds. I bet XYZ does that. Again, those are people in my head who write thank you notes. I bet they're wonderful. I bet they don't eat Doritos at 1030 o'clock watching The Real Housewives. I need to stop watching that or at least turn off the TV when Watch What Happens Live comes on. I could do that. No, I couldn't do that because I like it and I like the Doritos. They make me happy. So what if I get happiness from that? Isn't that the whole point of it? Aren't I supposed to be happy? Why can't I just be better and be happy? Oh my gosh! Great job! Great job! Okay. Yes, a dramatic reading. From so, Rebecca, Rebecca here's so here's the question that here's the question that we often ask people after they have read their inner critic rant to another person in our program. We ask them what was it like to read that out loud, and we ask that question because often there are things that are notable about reading it versus when it's in your head and unspoken. Well, I think reading it in this room, I felt good. Because I felt like everybody in this room is a welcoming party, and um, and it was kind of freeing to just say these things out loud. Yes. So is that what, how people feel? Yeah. Yes. Often embarrassed, but yeah. but it's a relief. Yeah. I it's mean, cathartic. exactly. I think exactly. They, they feel well. There's two things. I mean, obviously, so we pair people up in the program, and that's what we're suggesting that that listeners do. And um, once you read it out loud, you you. When you're listening, and I'm sure you felt this way as Rebecca's colleagues, you want to interrupt them and say, no, you're amazing. You're so good at so many things. But we coach Feel free, people. by the way. <laughs> <laughs> we coach people to just listen because what happens when you share it out loud is you get to hear how irrational it is. And when you hear someone else's, you don't feel alone. You, mm -hmm. you actually can distinguish, okay, well, this is part of being human. Everyone does this, but I want to do it less. Yeah. Right? So, yeah. so now we're going to move to, okay, so now that we've recognized we all have this and we're going to continue to be human, what is there to do about it? Because the worst thing to do is stay alone. We get disappointment. We're ashamed. Something happens that, you know, we were counting on and it doesn't happen. And all of a sudden we're walking along feeling confident and powerful like today is going to be a good day. And we've moved from that to a downward spiral. 
as right. you said before. Like we're, we're we're all of a sudden we're circling the drain, and we've identified the twenty seven things that aren't working, and the you know other twenty things we should have done, could have done, and just you know all the things that are not working in our life or we don't like about ourselves. And and a large theme of this can be comparing yourself to others as you did in yours. So we gave that a name several years ago. We call it power outage. And what's the good news about a power outage? The lights come back on eventually. Ooh, that's right. Exactly right. So if you think about your own downward spirals, like when you come out of that, at least for me, I literally will say to myself, who was that woman? Like that was just so negative and, and significant and dramatic. And now I'm fine. And mm-hmm. now I'm fine. So so we want to help you and all your listeners um, clear power outages so that you can restore yourself. So that you're not, you know, hoping that you come out of it, but that you could actually restore power and reset. Okay, so we're going to actually demonstrate how to do that because you got to find people in your life. And we recommend getting two people because one could be on vacation. (laughs) We recommend finding two people in, in your life. They could be at work or at home that you feel comfortable letting it all out, like saying exactly what's going on in your head in an authentic way with no editing. And we're going to demonstrate that. Yeah, this great. I'm going to share a recent power outage that I had. So this really happened. And Lisa's going to be my coach. Okay. So she's going to demonstrate what you do when you're helping somebody clear a power outage and I'm in a power outage. Okay. Yeah. I'm going to just like get myself back in that place of that power outage. Okay. Wendy. So Lisa, I am in a massive power outage right now and I, I can't even believe how badly I mishandled this situation. Okay, tell me what happened. So I booked a work trip at the exact same time as Gary's real estate conference. And he told me six months ago, he had this conference. I booked this trip. We now have nobody to watch our children. I screwed it up as usual because he was organized and had it on the calendar and I did not. And I can't get out of the trip. I have to go. I have a client counting on me. And I I just... I just screwed it up and I, I'm, and he's pissed at me and I don't blame him. I'm pissed at me. I got it. What else? Well, I'm always doing this. Like, this is not the first time that I have done this. I'm putting, overextending myself, mishandling these situations, getting myself in a swirl. Then I'm just letting people down. I'm overcommitted and I, I should have said no and I should have thought and I need better systems and I'm disorganized. Got it. What else? And my husband, he's he's so much more organized than me. And I don't, you know, and he's and he's I don't blame him for being mad. And my kids, they have activities all week. I don't even know who's going to take them. Mm. And I'm, I'm letting them down. And I'm crappy as a mother because I'm disorganized. Got it. Wendy, you done. Yeah. Okay. 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 So so here's my question. When are you going to forgive yourself? Well, not right this second. But maybe by the end of the day, I'm going to be pissed at myself for several more hours mm-hmm. <laughs> and then I'm going to forgive myself. I got it. OK. And, and what else? You're going to forgive yourself by tonight. I will be following up to see if you did that. And then um, what else? Anything else you see to do today to, you know? Well, I probably owe my husband and my kids an apology. OK. And I need to find somebody to watch them got next it. week when I'm gone. OK, got it. So when are you going to do those two things? By tomorrow. OK. Got it. So forgiving yourself by tonight, taking those two actions by tomorrow. That's it. How do you feel? You know, I feel a lot better. 
Good. Thank you. Good. Okay. So that's how, what did I not do? No judgments, no interjections. Exactly right. Had her find solutions and be productive. But I have a question. Yeah. So you, that was like a real problem, a real, okay, I messed up. And so now I need to fix it and stop self-loathing and get over that. Mm -hmm. But what about with kind of this downward spiral? How can you be kind of productive about that? Because sometimes I'll vent to friends and sometimes I'll feel better talking about it. But it's not like there is an actual solution. Like, yes. Apologize. Yes. And yeah. sometimes there's you wake up and you're just in a power outage and nothing triggered it. And you wake up. And you are in no mood for anything. Yeah. And, and everything are, annoys you. And you would probably skip. And everyone. The, you'd skip the question <laughs> at the end, the now what question. You would just, if you're the coach of somebody who's having that kind of a power outage where there is no resolution, there is what else, what else, what else, until literally they have regurgitated all of the power outage on you and you have deflected it in productive way. And until they can sort of sigh with relief and say, that's it. And it makes a difference just to do that. And then there's the times when you've mishandled something or something needs to happen. Michelle, our editor, asked a great question. And by the way, I like this also, as I preface her question with this, I like this as a sort of a toolkit for being a good friend and a good listener as well. Michelle asked, I think, a really interesting question to that end, which is as the listener, friend, coach, whatever, how do you not own or take on the struggles or the manifesto of your yeah. friend? Yeah, no, it's a really good question. And I think what I've seen is that people, when you go into the interaction with the intention of your job is to really get what it's like for them and there is zero pressure to solve their problem or make them feel better, your full job is just being there and listening. It's it you relate to the conversation in another way when you enter into it that way. So you're not feeling like you have to come up with the right words and the right solutions. And so it's it's actually very easy. It takes the pressure off. And I I remember when I first started uh, my executive coaching practice years ago, I felt an enormous amount of pressure. Like, I have to be a great coach. I have to have I all have the answers. The right, the brilliant, the moving right thing. thing. And then, you know, as the years went by, I thought to myself, this is oddly easy. <laughs> <laughs> because people don't need me to do that. They have all the answers. But they sometimes need somebody who's there to listen in a really powerful way. Mm. Um, but as Lisa said, the the key is not getting like avoiding having a power outage. The key is how quickly can you reset? How quickly can you reset and get back to your life? Because that's high performance living. Yeah. And that's really what our work is all about. Do we want to give them maybe one other tip? And one other thing I just want to say to that question is that there are times when I will call Wendy or someone that I need and say, I need coaching on X. So we're not suggesting there aren't times for that, but there's a lot of times where, to Wendy's point, that's just not necessary. People know what there is to do. They're just not doing it, mm -hmm. right? Or they're just in their own way because they're in a downward spiral. So, And, and this just, you know, is part of what happens to us as, as human beings. Yep. 
Yep, One yep, more yep. tip, Wendy. Well, I, I, we would be remiss. We, we actually have six tips that we give, but we're not giving them all away today. We're Good only going to give you two. <laughs> Good call from Leave a them wanting more. standpoint. Yeah. <laughs> but one of the things we tell people, and this is particularly relevant in today's world, and, and you'll understand why in a minute, we tell people to run their own race. Mm. It's a great expression, and I'm going to share what, where, you know, where we got it from, what we mean by it. So if you've ever been to the racetrack and you've seen thoroughbred horse racing, the, the horses wear blinders. And they wear blinders so that they can't look to the left and to the right. They can only look out into the distance so they can run the best possible race they could run. And when you apply this to our own lives, what gets in the way of running our own race is that we're comparing ourselves to other people. We're scrolling social media, oftentimes first thing in the morning and last thing at night. And we get sucked into how we're doing versus other people versus just are we living the life that we want to live? And so we tell people to notice the times when you are in interactions or situations with other people and getting hooked by what they're doing, because it really takes away your power and your peace. Yeah. And and just how you you compare, just how you compare. There's always going to be someone that's faster, more articulate, richer, thinner, <laughs> um, seemingly happier. And and I think that, that the vision and the inner critic is the one-two punch because it's first forcing you to really uh, define your own success and happiness and then looking at what gets in the way. And, and if we're paying attention to this harsh critical voice and comparing ourselves to others, you, you may still be successful, but it will impact your happiness and your peace. So you get one life. Let's like practice both of these. And, and then going back to the definition of confidence, really spend thoughtful time. Like we will tell people at night to write down three things that you did well today that you're proud of. Like, let's not think about, you know, what we did well in 2017. What did we do well today so that you're, again, retraining yourself to focus on the positive and not the negative? I have loved this conversation. I think Annie and Taylor, you guys enjoyed it as well. (laughs) If you're ever feeling bold, you can read me. I, I'm happy to be a what else person in your life. I feel like lives. I do this to you all the time. <laughs> <laughs> you can clear each other's power outages and then you can go to our website. Well, yes, you, tell, I was going to say, where I'm sure there are a lot of people who are listening right now who want to continue this. Where can they find you, Lisa and Wendy? So the first thing is fastforwardgroup.net is where you can actually print out the vision exercise and and we actually you could even write in and get a sample vision so that's the first step really that's going to give you all the questions to define your own success and happiness and and then the second step is to do what we did today on the podcast like to actually find a partner you know a colleague or a friend and write down your inner critic share it out loud and support each other and and clear power outages. And then you will accomplish more of what's important to you, uh, fuel your own confidence versus counting on other people to do that and and be happier and go to sleep at night with peace. (laughs) And isn't that what we all want? Yes. 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 So before you go, what's the worst advice you received? So I was told when I was changing, when I changed my career from advertising to executive coaching, and this was a long time ago. I'm not going to say the year because I'm not dating myself, but it was before anyone did executive coaching. It was like very much the early days. And people said, I got this advice from several people. Don't do that. It is not a viable career path and you'll never make any money. 
did you consider what they said at all? I think I, it made me feel a little uncomfortable, more so than I already felt. But I knew I couldn't listen to them because I knew I had another path to go down. And I listened to that voice instead. If you had listened to them, what might have happened? Oh, boy. I don't know, because I think I would have stayed in advertising longer and then eventually left and done something else anyway. And so for me, it was uh, six years ago when I was at this inflection point. I was leaving Univision, running a big uh, sales team, and I had several people that I like and respect say, you know, don't go be an entrepreneur. Like, you need one more big media job, managing more people, getting to the next level, and and being an entrepreneur is really hard. And I said, uh, thank you for caring, and I'm not, I'm not going to follow. I'm not going to hate that advice. You told I'm, them you weren't going to. Yeah. I just said, you know what? I'm I'm 45 years old, and, and I did think that I was going to put it off, but I just had this overwhelming sensation that I had a secret sauce to contribute, and, and I had something that could make a difference, and I had a partner to create it with, and I just thought, you know what, I'm, I'm going for it, and I can always come back. Like, if it doesn't work, I could always come back, but I need to do this, and I need to do this now, and so I thanked them, and I went on my path, and here we are. The ironic thing is, is even though I got that advice from many people uh, at the time, Lisa sent me a New York Times article, one of the only ones that had ever come out about executive coaching. Lisa, I don't even know if you remember this. And she said, you should do this. You'd be good at it. And I remember looking at that article and thinking, I'm doing it. That was maybe the best advice I ever got. Yes. That's great. I was just thinking in my head, in my negative voice, you need to send your friends more articles. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you for coming in, ladies. Thank you so much. It's a privilege. So after much thought and consideration, I've decided to name um, that voice in my head, Arvis Jarvis, which is a name. um, I think I was called that name in middle school. Somebody, Somebody gave me that nickname in middle school. It wasn't intended to be nice at the time, but it's really coming in handy now. So thanks. And thanks to all of you for listening to this bonus episode of No Limits. We'll see you back here on Tuesday with Wendy Williams. Get excited. As always, you can find me on Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, Twitter, and LinkedIn at Rebecca Jarvis. Don't forget to use our hashtag No Limits Podcast. And finally, a shout out to the team here that helps make this happen every week. Producer Taylor Dunn, editor Michelle Bancardo, research assistant Annie Osakwe, and the ABC radio team, David Rind, Elizabeth Russo, Josh Cohan, Andrew Kelp, and Steve Jones. Hey, I'm Andy Mitchell, a New York Times bestselling author. And I'm Sabrina Kohlberg, a morning television producer. We're moms of toddlers and best friends of 20 years. And we both love to talk about being parents, yes, but also pop culture. So we're combining our two interests by talking to celebrities, writers, and fellow scholars of TV and movies. Cinema, really. About what we all can learn from the fictional moms we love to watch. From ABC Audio and Good Morning America, Pop Culture Moms is out now wherever you listen to podcasts.